Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. Uh, today, this week we're speaking about animal nutrition and stock feed and what we feed our goats and chickens specifically. Uh, we've got other animals here, but goats and chickens are our main homesteady animal so they're the ones that I'm mostly going to talk about um before I jump in though uh hello to everyone New South Wales dealing with daylight saving because daylight saving kicked over this weekend and oh my god I hate it I sometimes wish that we lived in Queensland where they don't you know delve into that hocus pocus of you know sewing I think there's a there's a meme that I heard years ago that stuck in my mind it was an old American Indian um uh, saying that only white man can think they can cut an inch off a blanket and sew it to the end of the blanket and think they have a longer blanket, uh, which pretty much sums up daylight saving for me and I think for most farmers because our animals don't have watches or clocks. <laughs> and so this morning uh, the handy helper and I got up to uh, milk the goats and the goats were looking at us like, uh, you're a bit early, why are you out here now? <laughs> anyway. They'll adjust, they always do, but it's still a pain in the ass. And honestly, I wish they would just fuck it off and let us just go by the how high up the sun is in the sky. Anyway, rant over for this week. So nutritional requirements. Now, like I say, we, we do have cows here um, and we have bees, obviously, uh, and horses, but I'm not going to delve into the nutritional requirements of those animals. Um, horses are particularly um, detailed and so I won't you know, we, we don't breed horses. There's no, you know, we're only feeding our horses uh, to keep them happy and healthy. And certainly my lovely little Anglo-Arab, uh, Abby, uh, she could, I could wave a biscuit of hay in front of her nose once a week and she would probably still founder. Uh, she's a horse that I've never seen a horse like it do so well on so little. So uh, we're very lucky in that respect, I guess. We've only got grandma who's got some more specific and special needs and that's because of her age. So, goats and chickens. And as most of you would know, our chickens are pasture-raised chickens. So we, our chickens are out on grass 24-7. They have access to their grass. They do not get locked away overnight as such. They have a house a roost that they can go into. But because we have our lovely Merima Luna, who lives in, out in the paddock as a livestock guardian dog, um, she is out there to protect them from foxes and things like that. So we don't actually lock our chickens away overnight. They can still access the paddock if they want. They don't. They stay in their roost, but they could walk out anytime they want. So both goats and chickens are grass raised, but we still need to supplement feed. And there's a couple of things I want to run through that are just general feed things. And then I'll go through the specifics in regards to goats and chickens separately. 
Um, so I guess the most important thing is knowing, understanding nutritional requirements of your animals. And, you know, in the case of the goats, they are very much herbivores and they need um, a roughage that they can chew and chew their cud, whereas chickens are omnivores and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Sorry, but that's, they are omnivores. They're not vegetarian. Every time I see one of those egg cartons with vegetarian fed chickens, I think, oh my God, do they realize what chickens are actually like? Chickens who are being chickens are omnivores. And ours certainly have uh, come across wild field mouse nests in their paddock. <laughs> and when they do, it's like the lottery. Um, the chickens go berserk to try and get a piece of the action. And it's, I mean, my kids have seen it and I don't hide it from them. We've, we're very honest about everything in farming here. So watching the chickens go through a field mouse, baby mouse nest and pull out the babies and take them off into the paddock to eat them and fight over who's getting it. They are omnivores and should be fed as such. So it's important that you understand every animal that you've got. So if you've got animal ownership, you need to know what their food types are. And for chickens, it's very much an omnivore. They need protein as well as, um, as, well as uh, their carbohydrates. So forage management would be another thing that you need to consider, and that's referring to the kind of paddocks that you've got them in. Now, if you've got backyard chickens, then they're going to have access to grass, but you'll also have other plants in your garden, no doubt, um, unless you're unfortunate enough to live in a completely concrete backyard. You'll have different kinds of plants around, and it's important to understand which ones of those chickens will go for and which ones they can and can't have. Now, most animals are pretty good, but yeah people say goats eat anything goats don't eat anything and there's a couple of things that they actually can't eat and I'm not going to go into which plants are poison that's a whole nother episode but um, it's important to ensure that you have good grass um, so that chickens who do eat grass and um, goats you know and animals like that can have access to it um feeding practices so you you want to determine whether or not you're going to hand feed now with chickens you absolutely have to i i don't think i've ever seen chickens survive entirely on pasture raised uh, they will need some form of supplement feed and in our case we use layer pellets um, and i'll discuss further down why we don't use scratch mix um, a lot of people prefer scratch mix they think it's nicer for the birds and things like that and layer pellets look really boring if you can think of um, your layer pellets as your meat and veg and your scratch milk scratch mix as your candy and soft drinks <laughs> it's the best way to describe it um, but you need to know how often you need to feed so um, you know, are you feeding every day is it something that needs to be done every day or is it like a once a week thing like what we do with the horses where we just throw out some hay once a week um, and uh, where are you feeding as well? So having a, a good little area that you can put food into that you know you can keep clean and free of manure is fantastic. And that's something that you should consider when you're looking at where you're going to feed. Um, feed formulation, I'll go into the specifics later, but it, it is important to understand what they need and how much is in it. Um, things like percentages of protein and stuff like that. You do need to know it. It's you don't need to know the deed. Like you don't need to have a dietitian's, you know, degree to, to work out what you're feeding your animals. But just knowing the basics of what they absolutely have to have is pretty important. Um, you'll find that most people that 
don't pay attention to that kind of stuff um, their animals just don't do as well so if you want to be a really good chicken mum or goat mum then uh, the best thing you can do is understand at least what the minimum requirements are for them um, water supply it goes without saying all animals need clean fresh water access to them at all times um, that having been said I watch Luna our Merima on her days off drinking muddy puddles in the driveway uh, and she has you know probably a 10,000 litre oh it's probably more than that it's probably about 100,000 litre dam right next to her with beautiful clean water in it uh, that is filtered through and, and it's always been a really clean dam and she will go and drink out of muddy puddles rather than go down to the dam and drink which just blows me away but um, she has access to clean fresh water she just chooses to drink the muddy shit um, vitamins and minerals uh, that's a pretty important one for goats in particular for our milking goats uh, but also too for for chickens most people don't realize chickens actually have a really there's some really important vitamins and minerals that they just have to have access to if you're trying to get the best out of your animal if you're trying to get eggs that are the healthiest and best eggs that you can give to your family then knowing that your chickens have got all the correct vitamins and minerals is pretty important um fiber and roughage now that varies for animals but don't think for a second that chickens don't need something along the lines of roughage um, in their case it's shell grit uh, which allows them to have their croup work in the way that it's designed to work and i'll discuss that a bit further down with the chicken stuff but um understanding that they do need roughage and that's why hay is what probably our biggest expense as far as uh stock feed goes because we do doll out the hay pretty evenly to the goats um, and it is very important for baby goats to have access to that roughage and hay um, and not green hay but drier hay as well um, protein sources uh, you know goats still need protein and there is protein in plants that they can um, certainly eat and modify and make work for them much better than humans can humans are not designed to get protein from plant sources we're designed to get them from meat sources but we can also absorb protein from plant sources it's just the quantity we would have to eat is massive to get the same levels of protein uh, whereas with goats goats are much better at sourcing those nutrients out of plant matter and that's because they are herbivores and they've their, their body genetically has modified itself to to be able to do that uh, but they still do need access to protein so uh, there's certain um, uh, grains that we feed our goats particularly our milking goats which allows them to produce the best milk that they can and of course that is also comes into an age appropriateness thing too and that's the same for chickens chickens have to have protein but they have to have the protein at different stages of their life so if you're looking at getting um you know hatching your own eggs or if you're looking at getting day-old chickens and raising them from chicks um then their protein requirements when they're young are a bit different to their protein requirements as they're older and laying eggs and and it's not vital that you know the ins and outs like i said you don't need a dietitian's degree to, to work all this out but it is important to know when you go to buy feed from the stock feed shop that you're looking at the chicken feed that's appropriate to the age of the chicken that you've got um grazing behavior oh my god i love this so we here are trying to get to a point where we are um, using a paddock rotation method and and at the moment we've only got 
three big paddocks and we're trying to narrow them down into smaller paddocks that we can then do um, the Allen Savory method of um, intensive pasture grazing in one spot before moving them onto another spot to allow that paddock to then rest until the animals have returned to that paddock after a cycle of, of being in several other paddocks. So that's the pasture rotation system that we're using. And um, in in using that, we need to also understand we're going to have, when we do have our herd, and we, we want to run our herd together. So we might get to a point where we have four horses, um, two cows at the moment, but there'll be more coming. Um, at the moment, I think we're up to nearly 15 goats um, and one random sheep who's due to go to freezer camp and I just keep putting it off because we don't have the time to do it. Um, but I need to... Get on to my next door neighbour who has a lovely cool room and hit him up and say, let's get this sheep dispatched and hung up in your cool room to hang for a bit. Um, so, and, and our chickens. So at the moment we're nearly up to 50, 50 hens. Um, and we have our meat birds from time to time as well in our little um, Joel Salatin style tractor for meat bird growing. Now, eventually what we want to do is have that herd moving together as a group through each of these paddocks. So intensively grazing on one spot, then moving into the next paddock and intensively grazing on another spot. Now, out of those animals, uh, sheep, I think, are the heaviest grazers. And I don't know as much about sheep as I do goats, but they, my understanding of sheep is that they graze very low on the plant. So they'll go all the way to the, to the base of the plant, closest to the soil. Horses can be very fussy and only eat the top you know, third of the plant because they like the sweet plants and the sugary bits are, or the sweeter bits of the plants are generally in the top part. Goats are very good. They will eat um, where they feel they need. So they will eat, they'll graze, but they'll, they'll bypass clover if they don't need that kind of food. And clover certainly comes with a whole bunch of problems. We've lost a goat here previously to bloat uh, because of clover. So clover comes with its own problems. But when you've got them on that, um, they are the um, Alan Savory system of intensive grazing in a paddock before you move them onto another paddock, you're not going to have the same issues with bloat where they're just one goat gorging themselves on lush you know, clover in a paddock because they're going to be in with all the other animals. Everybody's going to be eating and then they're going to be moving on to the next paddock. Uh, but so horses will eat the top part, sheep will eat the very bottom part, goats generally will eat the middle part. Cows, I think, generally are a lower grazer. They're more like sheep. Um, but it's something you need to take into account. You know, if you've got all animals that are all eating the same parts of the plant and same types of plants, then that grazing behaviour is going to impact each other because they'll get run out of food a bit quicker. So, and then obviously once we do the, the pasture rotation model, then that's going to benefit the paddocks that we've got because it'll give them a chance to rest in between and not get overloaded with manure and overloaded with being eaten down. Um, so, health considerations is another thing that you need to think about and that's in regards to your manure loads in your paddocks. Obviously, um, you don't want... Um, animals living in a paddock and we've had this issue with barber's pollworm here um you need to in order to manage that parasite load in the paddock you need to make sure that you are moving your animals fairly regularly and allowing them access to fresh uh, pastures that haven't been damaged by uh, parasites and i guess the most important thing is learning to to monitor your animals so being in touch with them and really uh, watching them and seeing what they're doing 
And if you notice that they're starting to lose weight, then going and assessing what's going on. Are they not getting enough access to food? It might be that you've got a goat who is, and we have a couple of goats like this, who are bossy little fucks and push everybody else out away from the food trough when there is food in there. So when we go and drop hay into the Angora paddock, um, Princess and Megan, who are our two alpha females, and Pat, who's the alpha weather in the paddock, they will push all the other goats out and headbutt them to, to keep the food for themselves. So it might be something as simple as that, where you just have to feed an animal separately to the other animals to ensure that they're getting enough food. Um, but it also might be their teeth. Um, our grandma, our old mare, brood mare that we have, um, her teeth are the next thing on my list of to-dos. Um, she needs to, she's very old uh, brood mare and her teeth are getting a bit long and as such, over the last winter, she's kind of struggled a bit with keeping the weight on. Now, uh, they also, all the horses need drenching, proper drenching, not just worming. Um, so I need to organise somebody to do that, to drench them all. And then what we'll do is we'll keep them in a separate paddock after they've been drenched to allow that worm load to be dropped. And before we move them back into the pastures that we have for them up the top of the hill. Um, but it, it could be teeth it could be parasite load it could be that they're not getting access to the food because of another animal so keeping an eye on your animals and seeing what their conditioning is like in their body is pretty important it's probably more important than knowing the the finer details of the food that you're feeding them uh, because that way you can manage anything as it comes up now uh, feed storage and handling oh my god if you live in Australia uh, through I think it was last year was our worst year for it and you had to deal with the rodent problem holy shit I don't know in the US or the UK what your rodent problems can be like I think in the US you get similar kind of plague proportions to what we do in the UK I've heard that it's you know can happen but not as often oh my god we had to store everything in like metal tubs we even the plastic tubs were getting chewed through. <clears throat> I can't believe how easily mice and rats can actually get through plastic when they put their mind to it. But holy shit, they were everywhere. And we we didn't have them like out west in New South Wales. I'd seen videos of, you know, paddocks with mice and rats just running through the paddock. We never, ever got to that point. Uh, but, oh, my God, we, we definitely had debate here. Um... I had to look at getting one of those flip top lid tubs to try and get rid of all the uh, mice that we had out in the shed. Uh, this year hasn't been anywhere near as bad. Now, I don't know whether that's just because having that bad year last year, uh, maybe there were more predators able to uh, breed. So more owls, more snakes, more lizards, more things that would um, target um, uh, mice and rats. And therefore, they've got on top of the problem, you know, because remember our saying, it's not that you have too many pests, you just have not enough predators. Um, so maybe this year we had enough predators, but it hasn't been as bad this year. But you really need to make sure that wherever you store your feed, that it, mice and rats aren't going to have access to it. I forget whether it's listeria or I can't think which one it is, but one of the food poisonings that can happen for animals comes from um, mice and rat pee. Um, going into their feed so don't just store it in the bag get a tub for it even if it's just a metal garbage bin from Bunnings they're not that expensive and that's I think that's what we ended up we got some very heavy plastic ones which have survived and we've got some metal ones 
um, which survived as well, and they have been really good at keeping parasite, uh, get, keeping the pests out of the feed. Um, budgeting and cost management is my next thing on the list. <laughs> and oh my god, don't get animals if you don't have any money. <laughs> That's my hot tip. Animals cost money to feed, and there is no other way around that. Um, you, you can't, you can pasture raise animals to, to a massive extent. You can make sure that you've got good grass and good pasture and they will probably survive really well. But there are other things that you just can't get out of not buying. Um, our biggest expense is hay. Like I say, we, um, I think we're looking at about $35 here in Australia for a bale of hay, which only lasts us a week. And that's if we ration it. If, if I went crazy with it, we'd go through two a week. Um, but uh, we also have grain that we feed our milking goats. Um, uh, we use a, a goat blend, but if we can't get the goat blend, we're using our packer blend, which is just as good. Um, and we also have a, a like a branny, fibery um, maxi soy pellets that we also give to our goats to, to try and um, space out their grain a little bit so they're not just getting grain concentrate um, the horses only get hay the chickens get layer pellets and uh, you know I don't buy the dearest layer pellets I'm not I'm not interested in buying the dearest ones all I want is the ones that have the correct protein levels and have the nutrients in them that I need for the chickens and so you can you can spend a fortune <laughs> or you can go budget and you really need to speak to your local stock feed uh, supplier to work out what's best for you my end goal for the chickens is to have a hopper and buy a um, I think they call them crusher bags um, buy a crusher bag of, of layer pellets once a month instead of buying small bags and have it going into the hopper and then feeding from the hopper um, it, it's probably the most cost efficient way to do it but you have to have the outlay to, to spend a thousand dollars on feed in one go so that that's a little way down the track but that's where i'm going to next and also too i mean being able to produce your own hay would be awesome we don't do any kind of um, crop planting here or any row planting um but that might be down the track something that we do do where we plant um to produce our own hay so that we can feed. I know in the UK, a lot of people will do that. They they plant their own feed and then through winter, their animals, because of the weather, might be housed in barns and uh, fed um, feed that, that's been produced on the property itself in the barn over winter, which is an awesome method. We don't do it as much here in Australia because our environment, most of our animals are out uh, right through winter, even though we do have a lot of frosts and the grass does die off a bit. Um, there's still enough feed on the ground for them to, to survive on that. We don't get snow in many areas in Australia, so that makes it very easy. Um, and the next that leads into the next one, which is environmental conditions. <laughs> so obviously, if you are in a snowy environment, um, then you, know, you have to plan for the fact that you might have no pasture for several months of the year. And I was actually just looking because a friend of mine's over in um, Canada at the moment, and I was looking to see where she was staying. And then I realized that all of Canada, and I'm pretty sure 100% of Canada gets snowed in over winter. Um, and then I looked at how far down the snow comes into America over winter because I've been over to America once for four weeks. We were over there um, and we did get up as far as New York and Pennsylvania, but we didn't travel up through, you know, Montana or 
you know, Oregon or anywhere like that. And I know that up, you know, Michigan, places like that, it snows all the time through winter, like you're covered in it. Um, I think our friends were staying in Washington that we went to visit and they their entire backyard was covered in snow for several weeks through winter. So it does, like for us Australians, we don't understand that concept of no pasture, no grass at all, and that animals have to be barn raised over winter and hand fed. Uh, but that's something that you need to consider. If you're in an area like that in America or in England where animals have to be housed in a barn over winter, you need to consider that. And and for us here in Australia and for our southern state US friends, um, the hot summers likewise can have the same kind of effect where you have to hand feed because you know, the ground gets so dry and there's so little rain and uh, you know the animals have already eaten all the grass that was available and you get to a point where there's just no grass left. So for us, we need to consider things uh, in summer for drought situations. Now, the last couple of years have been our wet years, um, according to the our cyclical weather chart. So we haven't had to worry. We have had lush pastures for the last two years. Now, I think 2005 might be our next... I don't know whether that's our next wet year or next dry year. But we are probably going to have a fairly dry summer this summer, I think. Um, we still have a lot of grass on the ground, so we're not too worried. But um, coming into summer, we will have to consider whether or not we have to stock up on some hay so that, it, you know, push comes to shove, we've still got food for them. Uh, parasite control, we've already talked about a bit. But one thing I will talk about a bit more with um, goat stuff further down. But um, with chickens, people don't think about chickens having worms, but they do have parasites and that's why we move our chickens very regularly uh, because if they're not living in their own manure then the chance of them you know having that parasite overload is is not anywhere near as high and breeding and reproduction so obviously with chickens they're they're laying eggs daily our girls are um, so that's their reproduction cycle and that's just an entire part of their feeding cycle there's no breeding season for them they're either on or off um, they do go through a molt and when they go through their molt it is a good idea to up their nutrient levels a little bit coming out of that molt it just gives them that extra boost to kind of grow their feathers back and reset their their bodies and get ready to start that laying process again um, but for our goats, we actually don't feed grain in the last couple of months of pregnancy, unless the animal's very, very poor. Um, and our, ours have never been like that in the last couple of months of pregnancy. So the, when they're dried up and they're no longer milking, they only get access to grass and roughage. We don't give them grain. And the reason we don't is I don't want to overload them with weight when they're already overloaded with weight. And feeding grain, if you're the best way to fatten anything, human, animal, doesn't matter, is feed them grain. And so feeding grain to pregnant goats who are already under a burden of extra weight is just going to put extra weight on them. So I would only give grain to milking goats when they're actually in that milk production cycle um, because that's when they do need that extra boost and they go through, they burn a lot more cal calories. Um, or in the early stages of pregnancy, I'll sometimes feed them if they're a little bit poorly and I don't want them to struggle with developing you know, new babies. Um, I'll sometimes feed them up a little bit then. Uh, Rocky, our buck, coming into the rutting season, we will feed him up because he is going to burn more calories doing his little job out there that he loves so much in the paddock. Um, so we need to give him a bit of a boost then as well. And weaning time is another time when you have to consider what you're doing. Now, 
there's a whole separate thing about goats <laughs> when you're weaning and, and baby goats and how they develop. So, and that's what I'm going to go into next. So, um, weaning practices for babies is a little bit complicated and different, but this is how we do it. And certainly this is not how everybody does it. And we're not a commercial dairy. So take that on board as well. Commercial dairies have a whole bunch of other issues. And I take my hat off to people that run them. Um, a big shout out to Iowa dairy farmer, who I think is awesome. He, he shows everything exactly how it happens. Um, and I would encourage you to go and have a look at his videos. He does some really cool videos, but he, um, they remove all their stock from, or all the babies are removed from the mums. Um, when they, uh, once they're born, they get removed straight away. And they're straight onto cholesterol. They get tubed cholesterol, uh, like the potty calves here in Australia have to do by law. They they have to get tubed cholesterol to make sure they've had it in their their system, and then they go on to a, a milk replacement product, just like potty calves do here in Australia. Um, but the reason for that is a they're running a commercial business. Every drop of milk counts. It's they're not like us where it's only for our consumption and to to boost up our other animals on the paddock. Um, it's it's a different kettle of fish. So for baby goats, which we've just had a, a big abundance of in the last couple of weeks, um, I leave my newborns on their mums. Um, and I do that because I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't want to bottle feed. So if you're not lazy and you want to bottle feed, go for it. Take them off, bottle feed them. It's not going to do them any harm really to bottle feed. I prefer to leave them on certainly for the, if I'm going to bottle feed anyway, because I've got two that two of our um, little weathers are likely going to go as pets, not go in the freezer um, because we've got somebody who's approached us and wants to buy two off us. Um, so I will start bottle feeding them in the next couple of weeks just to get them used to that bottle feed. But I prefer them to stay on mum for the colostrum period so that they get that three, four days of just that really nutrient dense milk off mum. Now, all everything that's in there in that colostrum is everything that a goat needs to get started and and so over that first week you won't see you'll see them lick it roughage and hay that's on the ground but they won't actually eat it and chew it so much but around that two to three week mark baby goats start chewing on roughage and and swallowing it and digesting it and people kind of look sometimes and go, no, they can't be eating it. They're just they're just licking it and everything, but they're not. It's it's actually a really important part of their developmental stage for their gut. So goats are rumen animals, and um, in order for their rumen to develop, uh, where they swallow food and then they regurgitate the food back up into their mouth and chew on it to grind it down even further and break down that cellulose. And we have to remember that goats are herbivores and they are designed to eat grass and cellulose and break it down to get the nutrients out of it and this is part of the reason why humans struggle to um, live on a completely plant diet because our stomach and the way that we digest is not designed to do the same things that a herbivore is designed to do so what we do is they milk for that first week we notice that they'll lick at things and, and stuff like that but milk for the first week it, but whether it's bottle or bait or off the boob it's milk then the milk continues and it will increase as the animal increases in size they will drink more and more they'll just they'll tend to drink less less suckles per day so if you're on a bottle fed baby it might be four bottles a day and then you know they get to a certain point where they're dropping down to three bottles a day and then two bottles a day 
But during that process, the whole time, they're starting to eat roughage. Now, it's really important that kids don't get overloaded with things like grain and clover. And we learned that the hard way by having a goat die from uh, bloat. Uh, she was a bottle baby because her mother, unfortunately, had mastitis and had, had to be put down. And uh, so she was on milk replacement, which is, I'm going to say it, it's never as good as boob. You know, bottle is best for everybody. Uh, sorry, boob is best for everybody. We say that all the time with humans, but it's also best for animals. It, it doesn't always work that way. Like I say, in commercial dairies, they can't do it that way. But if you can do it that way, I would encourage you to do it that way. So... Um, Milk, roughage, keeping the grains and the very, very green grass to a minimum. It just overloads the system, giving them that green grass. They just can't process it as well. They haven't learned to, to chew their cud. Their rumen is not developed enough. Um, and until their rumen does develop enough, even an adult goat can still get bloat from clover. You know, clover, it's just a nasty, it's so lush and green, looks fantastic, and then it's terrible for their digestion. Um, so the most important thing with baby goats is to give them access to dry hay roughage so that when they chew it, their rumen does start to develop and they start to learn how to chew their cud. And as they're learning to chew their cud, they're keeping the digestion process working properly in their stomach. Um, I could go on and on about that, but I won't. That's make sure they've got access to hay. Um, they, and I, I was, when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, I had a look and it's evidently it's called creep feeding, which is the practice of providing supplemental feed to young goats to help them grow and develop their rumens. Basically, uh, the, the, on this article that I was reading, it said you can use grain based creep feeds, but I have never seen grain based creep feeds here in Australia. We in Australia here just use, um, hay roughage. And that, that does exactly the same job and it does it naturally, exactly the way it's meant to, not any supplements or weird additives. Anyway, speaking of supplements and weird additives, minerals. Now we have goat blocks in our paddocks where uh, there's like salt licks, but they've got minerals and, and vitamins in them. And the goats can just go and lick them whenever they feel that they need to. And most goats are pretty good. They will just access that as they feel that they're, you know, a bit short in their salts or a bit short in certain vitamins, they will go and lick it. Um, they can't be left out in the weather. <laughs> they have to be undercover. And uh, that's because I found out the hard way when I had a horse mineral block in a paddock one day. And literally, as soon as the rain hits it, they start to disintegrate because they are designed to be licked by the animal and disintegrate and dissolve the, the vitamins into the, onto their tongue. So when they're left out in the weather, they'll just disintegrate completely. Um, so it's important that you make sure it's undercover uh, and that all the animals in the paddock have got access to it. Uh, and like I say, they'll just go and access it as they need. Now, the, the mineral blocks can be a bit expensive, but if you hunt around, you can get bigger ones. And what the, I got the handy helper to do was cut one in half so that I could put one half in two separate paddocks um, rather than just having the one big block in the one paddock because they, they last for a long time. If they're kept undercover, they last for a very long time. Uh, fresh water, obviously, with kids is very important. That being said, uh, just be careful that it's not deep water or water that they can't get out of. I haven't had the misfortune of having an animal get in and drown, but goats aren't swimmers. They don't like water. Um, and I have heard horror stories of sheep and goats going into dams and the muddy water sucking their little hooves in and they couldn't get back out. 
and got trapped in the dam. So it's important to ensure that they've got something that they can drink out of where they won't, they're not going into the water necessarily. Uh, and the next one I had on my list was overfeeding concentrates. And um, what will happen is if you if you overfeed things like grain, like our, like our goat blend that we use, and we've had it happen with the adults more than the, the babies because we just don't offer it to the babies, is that the animal will get the runs, they'll get the trots, they just get the scours and they walk around in the paddock with this horrible burning diarrhea um, and all you're trying to do is get them to eat roughage and nine times out of ten they don't want to eat anything. So it takes a couple of days to get them back on track. So it's easier just not to overload with that that grains and, and kids in particular, you know, um, they get bloat so much quicker and easier than adults do because they're just not developed enough to deal with it. Uh, so don't you don't need to go overboard with the, the concentrates. My milking girls get their concentrates literally every morning while they're being milked. And they probably get, I'm going to say, not even a kilo each. Um, they would get probably half a kilo each. And that's they, they eat that while I'm milking them. And then they have their leftover bowl put to the side and finish eating it before they um well I do the other goat and then they um they both feed their own kids before they go out into the paddock because I've only got two milking at the moment so that they only get that concentrated feed in that morning session and then they get hay in the afternoon session they don't get any grains in the afternoon session uh proper weaning um <laughs> you'll find out the hard way if you don't wean goats properly uh they'll get the scours they absolutely get the scours if you try and drop the milk and put them straight onto solids um we don't wean here until about the 12 week mark which i think is pretty late for most places i think a lot of places will go a bit earlier than that but um i've got to be honest mine i've had them six months and they're still on the tit so i, I don't necessarily force a weaning um, unless I'm trying to dry the animal up for a reason, which hasn't happened, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, but the mums will also start to just stop feeding them. Um, Hazel, our oldest milking goat, when she's done feeding the kids, she just steps over their heads and walks away and they'll come and try and get on the boob again. And she just kicks them and keeps walking. It's not, you're done with your feed. You've, you've had enough. Um, dairy goats definitely can be they can self they'll self wean when they're done with the kids drinking and they think the kids have had enough they'll just step over them and keep going um but the really important thing when you are weaning if you've got bottle babies if you are weaning is to ensure that they do have that access to the roughage because otherwise it will really stuff their gut up uh and age appropriate feeding we've already talked about making sure that they have enough roughage and um, then monitoring them now one one thing i haven't talked about that i did want to discuss was a, a product called biowormer which we use as a supplement in our girls feed and biowormer has it's got two parts to it it's got vitamins and minerals in it that are really essential for for gut health for them and for their overall health but it also has some supplements in it that help reduce worm loads so it's not a worming product as such you don't have to withhold milk or anything like that but you feed it to them and it helps keep their worm count down and their worm load down and just helps them function a bit better past those worms um, <clears throat> and then I could go on to a million other things to do with parasites and worm counts but I won't but buy a worm if you see it advertised it's a pretty good product if you've got goats to use in their diet so chickens 
the most important thing I'm going to say about chickens and it pisses people off and I don't care if I piss people off on this one chickens are omnivores and chickens need access to protein and also meat products my chickens get access to meat products when we give them scraps uh, but also too if we find any kind of rodents or anything like that in the paddock it goes straight into the chookyard and they it's I feel like it makes them better chickens because they actually live like a chicken would and they chase the rodent down in the paddock kill it and eat it themselves so and they fight over it they pull the I'm, gonna, I'm not even gonna say poor rodent because I really don't want rodents in my paddock um, but they'll pull the rodent apart and eat it it's great it's fantastic it's exactly what chickens are designed to do so that that big ugly statement out of the way um, I am a big proponent of buying commercially made layer pellets and the reason for that is you know exactly what you are getting in that product and you know it's going to cover all of the nutritional requirements um, the kinds of things chickens need to lay eggs are vitamin d vitamin a vitamin e k minerals they need are potassium sodium magnesium and selenium along with phosphorus which goes towards eggshell production and calcium for their eggshells as well so by buying a layer pellet you know that that layer pellet is being made of everything that they need to keep that chicken going really well now scratch mix <laughs> I've had so many people say to me but I feed my chickens scratch mix they really like it they like it much better than the layer pellets yes they do because it's like chicken candy <laughs> so if you're feeding your chickens only scratch mix you are essentially giving them candy and expecting them to produce you know their best sports performance in their eggs and not giving them the nutritional requirements they need for that so layer pellets if you insist on still feeding scratch mix and we don't feed scratch mix at all full stop but if you do insist on doing it uh, my hot tip is uh, layer pellets six days of the week scratch mix one day of the week um, it should be a treat not an everyday thing uh, and I know and, and I think scratch mix is way more expensive than layer pellets anyway so I don't know I haven't bought it for so long it's yeah um, but the the layer pellets that you're looking at should contain between 16 to 18 percent of protein because that's what they need and for calcium it should be about three to four percent of calcium that should be in there because that's what helps them with that eggshell production now for your baby chicks if you're going the baby chick route and having day olds up to eight weeks you need to have them on starter feed there is there's no other choice for me starter feed gives them that best start in life I use medicated I know there's a lot of people out there that hate the idea of using medicated feeds for their animals in that first eight week period I am more than happy to use the medicated one there's a disease called and I always say it wrong coccidiosis coccidosis coccidosis and it's basically a parasite that gets in the intestine and leeches onto the intestine and when it, they get the overload too bad with it uh, they they ship blood that's the guts of it and it will kill them it will drain their energy and their vitamins and nutrients so much that it will kill them and I've had chickens die from it so for my starter chicks up to eight weeks old they are on medicated uh, starter feed which is just like a little crumble once they get to that eight week mark they go on to the grower feed now my grower feed is not medicated and what I do is about once a year, I will dose their water with a powder that helps the coccidiosis, coccidiosis whatever it's called, uh, that helps kill that. 
Um, but once they get to adults, they've built up an immunity to it anyway. So then they tend to be much more resilient to those kinds of things. Uh, but I just think giving them that starter mix in the first eight weeks really gives them a good start. So grower feed they go on to, and particularly for my meat birds, they'll go on to the grower feed a bit earlier than, than the starter feed. And the grower feed's not medicated. Um, but, but we eat the meat birds that have had medicated starter and we've never had a problem. Um, so they, the chickens go on to, the layers go on to it about nine weeks. They go on to the grower feed and um, then <clears throat> they'll stay on that up to about the 18, 20 week mark. And then we swap them over to layer feed. And the layer feed really has everything in it that a, that a chicken needs to lay eggs. So that's, I just stick with that. They also get access, like I say, to pasture and everything. Uh, but we sometimes throw scraps out to them. Um, we sometimes let them come into the veggie garden to do their dig and they'll go through and dig up witchetty grubs and shit like that out of the soil, which is great. Um, all those other, the lawn grubs, I hate them. Chickens absolutely love them. They'll fight over them like crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so fats and energy. They, they do need their carbohydrates. Chickens, they're omnivores, but they have to have everything. So they need their carbohydrates in order to get that, um, that uh, egg production thing happening. But like I said with the scratch mix, that's like chicken candy. It will make your chickens fat. And if your chickens are fat, then they reduce their egg production massively. Um, and if you have them on scratch mix all the time and they're not laying as much as what they should be, that's definitely swap them to layer and see what happens. Now, you might have to wean them off the scratch mix because it is very, it, it is like candy, literally. Um, so you might have to go half and half until you can get them all onto layer. Um, fiber, obviously they get that from the plants and also from their layer pellets. There's a whole bunch of amino acids they need for egg production. And that's also in the layer pellets. Chickens absolutely have to have access to fresh water and they can become dehydrated very quickly with no water and that will definitely affect egg production. So that's something you want to avoid. Uh, as I said, our girls are out in the pasture so they get access to insects um, for their added protein. <laughs> but they also, like I say, I've seen them rip apart a mouse and fight over it in the paddock. Um, and you know, when people say, oh, chickens are vegetarian, I think, oh, not mine. <laughs> mine are definitely not vegetarian. Um, they will destroy a mouse in a matter of moments. Um, the really big important bit with chickens is to make sure that they have access to a grit. So a shell grit, um, uh, and we use, there's an oyster shell that also has calcium in it, uh, but it's little small uh, bits of oyster shell and they eat it and it goes into their gizzard. So into their croup at the front of your chicken, you'll see there's a big, like at the end of the day, they'll, they'll usually have, if they've eaten enough, quite a big protruding kind of mass at the front of their neck and it looks a bit odd. That, that means they've had a full day of eating. The food goes and sits in their gizzard and uh, in their croup sorry, and um, breaks, it gets broken down in there so that it's more readily digestible. Now, if they have access to grit, that croup will have little, and when we've dispatched animals, I see it, we, they have little uh, bits of shell grit inside the croup, and that breaks down the, the, digest the food further so that when it goes into their stomach, they can digest it. It's a really cool system. I, yeah, like, you got to remember, we're dealing with little dinosaurs here because, you know, that's what they are, essentially. Um, so it's developed over years and years and years, and it's very important for them to have access to something that they can chew on and put into their croup 
that works in that gritty kind of way. Now, a lot of people talk about toxins with chickens and, and medication with chickens and things like that because they want non-medicated eggs. And I think at the end of the day, non-medicated would be awesome. And if you're moving your chickens regularly on pasture and you, they've got good access to pasture and, and other things, you know, insects and, and rodents and things, as well as their layer pellets, then you, you probably don't need to, to worry too much about what's going into them. But at the end of the day also, you need healthy chickens. And if it means you have to medicate in order to make them healthy, well, really, if your chicken's still living its best chicken life, you, the medication's not going to be an issue. Anyway, <clears throat> I think I've covered everything. I feel like I raced through that because I've... I've got kids home with me today and they've been really good and been really quiet while I've been recording, but I just wanted to get in and get everything recorded as best I could. Um, in regards to animal feed overall, it's, it is expensive to hand feed. And if you can have animals on accessed pasture, then that's the best way to go. Remember, if you've got any questions, you can contact me and ask me. Um, I'm, I'll answer you know, contacts on any of the social medias. Um, but if you don't have access to pasture and you want to get livestock, maybe look at, you know, if there's somebody with land nearby that you might be able to lease a little paddock off and then you could, you could have a milking goat or two in a paddock, um, without actually having to own the land yourself. Owning the land is a luxury. It's, you know, not a necessity. You can, you can absolutely rent or lease. Um, the only thing you have to keep in mind is that obviously if that person then changes their mind about leasing the land to you. Um, that could be problematic down the track if you have nowhere to, to transfer your livestock to. Um, but it's an option for some people who want milking goats. And certainly milking goats take up a lot less space uh, than what um, a milking cow would take up. Even a little house cow, jersey cow would probably take up more space. Um, you know, if you've got five to ten acres, you could absolutely keep a little milking cow on that. I think I've seen people keep them on two acres. It just means they have to hand feed a bit more often. There's just a bit more hay being bought. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Don't forget, if you're not following me on the social medias, go and jump on there. And I also want to ask a big favor, any of you that have been listening regularly, and I have got a few regular listeners from all around the world. If you're listening regularly and you think of somebody who might like to listen to this podcast and might get something out of it, then please, please, please send them over to, to my podcast and let them have a listen. Um, the more the word gets spread, the more I can then get guests on and have different topics of discussion that you might be more interested in. And if, if, if you've got a topic of discussion you want me to talk about, send me a DM and, and if I can do it, I'll definitely get on and do it. Anyway, until next week, uh, I hope you all have an amazing week and it, daylight saving doesn't throw you too much trying to slide back into the pattern. Uh, bye for now, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya. See ya.